Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Kia ora and welcome to the Aotearoa Rugby Pod once again. Off the back of the Crusaders winning another title and another away final, which is incredible the way that they do it away from home. We'll be getting into plenty about that. Maybe a bit of feedback from the All Blacks coach that we've had after last week's episode as well. Stay tuned for what Ian Foster had to say. And um, before we get to any of that, though, we've got a few guests coming in. First, of course, James Parsons, as ever, in the studio after what was a hell of a final. It was a great final. Yeah. Uh, definitely uh, a lot of chat about, uh, I suppose, the refereeing performance, but it was still uh, one of the great finals. And even though Chiefs were penalised a hell of a lot, it went down to the wire. Yeah, it was, it was. And now joining us on a Monday, for the first time in four years on a Monday after a Super Rugby final, <laughs> it's Bryn Hall. <laughs> Thank you very much, Bryn, for joining us. And Bryn's mate alongside him, Jake Goodhue. You know, Jake, Bryn has never showed up on a Monday before, so we really appreciate you in the middle of celebrations turning up on the show. Oh, mate. Well, like I said, I wouldn't just do it for anyone. Yeah, Bryn was uh, joined us for a few celebrations last night, and yeah, he asked me, and I think I owe him a few favours after serving him some raw chicken when we were um, <laughs> standing together about five, six years ago. So this is it, Bryn. I don't want to hear any more about you it after me. this. Hey, you beat me to the punch. You used my own line, and you knew it was coming as well. You've just put it out there first. <laughs> it's smart. Sorry, oh, very sorry smart. man. I know. That's your best chat you've got against me, so that's how you use it. He just didn't bother cooking it, huh? Well, <laughs> who, needs, who needs cooked chicken, right? Look, I got <laughs> it completely wrong. I don't know how I got it so wrong. I thought it was, and maybe the oven wasn't, you know, heated up enough, but it certainly had done its time, but that chicken came out well raw, so um, I still try to eat it. Um, too much pride, but... Yeah, we're probably lucky we didn't get sick. <laughs> <laughs> but you, you don't look sick right now either. You've had two or three days of celebrations going on. You look like you're in a fairly fresh um, mood off the back of a, another Crusaders title. Oh, thank you. Um, obviously, you, know, you can still celebrate without you know, going overboard. And you know, I've certainly done that a um, you know, couple of big days, long nights. Um, but it's been awesome just celebrating with the team. Uh, yeah, some key players that are leaving and you know I've done the journey with you know Sam Richie and you know I've stayed with Ray uh throughout my whole rugby career really where we started together at Canterbury in 2014 so yeah a lot of emotions um but yeah it's been an awesome couple of days just being with the team. What's that like with Razor mate uh, what do you guys do for him over the next you know week or so you know while he's still got some time? Yeah we had the information early that he was going to be leaving so we've been out of um yeah, really enjoy knowing that it was going to be his last ride of the Crusaders. But I don't think we do anything um, different in such of there's been some amazing Crusader men that have left over the years. And I think the likes of you know Kieran Reed and Matt Todd and and Ryan Crotty, um, you know, all have given so much to the jersey. Uh, Razor's given just as much. Um, obviously, he's just had so much success that's come with that. So. Yeah, we acknowledge the success, but as far as being part of the team, he's just another great crusader man. 
I think first and foremost, him as a person is very caring and um, cares deeply around his players. And that isn't just the, you know, the starting guys or the experienced players. It, it goes from one to 37. And, and sometimes coaches kind of miss that. Um, they say it's a 37-man team, but sometimes they miss that um, that aspect of connecting with players that you probably don't you probably don't have to a lot. So, um, yeah, has been so good for the Crusaders. I know that he was quite emotional um, last night and even um, during the week as well, just seeing the messages and um, the things that he's been saying in the media. So, yeah, it's, it's a big loss, but um, I think the way that the boys put on a performance last night um, will probably be one of the sweeter ones. I think Joe Berg was pretty pretty close to it, Jack, but I think last night, with what you guys went through adversity-wise, um, it was pretty special. I know Razor definitely enjoyed that as well. Where does the, the breakdancing rate out of the seven titles. I think um, Richie came out first and did a couple of moves and all of a sudden <laughs> Race is thinking, oh, is that what it's supposed to look like? <laughs> <laughs> obviously, uh, Razor's had, um, he should be actually feeling better. He had a you know, pretty major knee operation uh, late last year, I think it was. Uh, so he's certainly moving a lot better around uh, training, he's getting a bit of knee bend. Um, no, there's a lot of pressure on that breakdancing, but <laughs> I always feel like he lives up to it. Um, he gives the fans what they want, and it's just good fun. So was Razor on the physio table before before that, do you know, Jack? Oh, mate, it's so annoying. Like, So actually, you're trying to get your preparation right for the final, right? And um, you're getting strapped and massaged, and he's on the physio table, so it really pushes your um, your warm-up and your preparation. But I guess you just know that he's going to be there, you know, getting a bit of deep heat into his shoulders and knees. So you just take that into account when it comes to the final. <laughs> well, I suppose that's enough of uh, the celebration chat. I'm more interested in the week leading up to that final because, uh, you know, you look at the Chiefs' year um, at home, they're going in as, as favourites. But the way you guys seem to build, uh, Bryn said it uh you know, really well last week is you, you were peaking at the right time. Uh, no doubt you had the belief, but what was the, the game plan going into that week? Well, the game plan was we knew so much of their play. We rolled around first, Damon McKenzie, and then obviously for me it was the back three that we needed to shut down. Sean Stevenson, awesome season. Narawa, fantastic. So put a lot of pressure on Damien with his kicking game, have good um, process around how we're going to nullify that so they don't get territory gains from their awesome kick game. And then from there, this is how do we make sure we've got plenty of defenders around their um, dangerous back three. Obviously, they had some moments. I would say, as far as that final goes, you know, been fortunate enough to be in, in a lot. That was, that was super hard. I would say it was the hardest. Um, mm. The one in Joburg, we got to a nice early lead and we held on and that was very difficult. But that Chiefs one could have gone anyway and that was what made it, yeah, special and you know, I guess such a thriller. Probably the first time in that seven seven years that you're actually in a tight contest and it was going to go either way. Was there anything different that you guys talked about on the field? You would have done your prep throughout the week with your what-ifs and whatnot, but did it feel any different? Did you feel any more added pressure or was it just business as usual in finals time? We were under the pump there. Uh, for a time, and it was that fortunately Damien was offside for that um, overthrow line out, so you know, we caught a lucky break there. Uh, but as you know, Brennan has been through um, a lot of games, not, not necessarily those finals, but games where we have had to claw back and get a close win, mm. so we can take a lot of confidence from that. We just stay process driven, right? We just, what's our next task? What do you need now as an individual? And just focus on that. Can't let the um, yeah, emotions or the expectations get to you in those moments. How big was the inclusion of Sam Whitelock? Because, you know, you know what he brings as an individual, but, man, he must give the people around him a lot of confidence, especially at set-piece time. He's a warrior, as you know. We had uh, a lot of line-outs. I don't know what our success rate was, but obviously early on it seemed like we just went through all of our set-piece moves um, to pretty good effect <laughs> as well. So to be smooth there and win our lineouts. I think obviously we disrupted a few of theirs as well. So set piece is huge, especially in finals footy and yeah, you know, to get the yeah, the win in the lineout area was yeah, probably the difference.
Yeah, I, I think it was, and, and you guys ran it 91% with 23 lineouts, and, and you kept them to 57. And I do think not only the impact he would have for the Crusaders as in Sam Whitelock, but also the way he makes you think as the opposition. You know how good he is, what a student of the game is, and sometimes that can play on your mind, especially about where you want to throw. Mm. Um, and, he, and he certainly challenged them there. And against two guys who are all blacks and very good all blacks. Yeah, and a hooker that's mm. been you know thrown exceptionally well. Um, he, he managed to disrupt, but that is, you know, his superpower. He is one of the best in, in the world at, at, I suppose, I think, winning ball, but also stealing it. I think watching that early on, you know, I think they had maybe five or six lineouts and they had a couple of four-mans, five-plus-ones. There was even like a four with the midfielder and the winger um, in that lineout. And so I think it kind of, you talk around setting them, setting them up, because obviously, you know, in the back end of the games when it's tight, they tend to go to their line-out more, and that's what you saw with Cody Taylor. Was that a plan, Jack, that you wanted to try and show different pitches at the start of the game to then um, open them up in the line-out more to the back end of the game? As far as yeah, that kind of stuff goes, Brent, I think it's a real... You don't know what you're going to get. You don't know what's going to work at the time. Uh, so you want to show a little bit of variation and then go, yeah, that's worked. We're going to go back there. Obviously, we've got some success in the line-out more, so we started going back to that uh, later in the game. How many beers does Cody have to buy at the end of year drinks? You know, considering the amount of tries that get laid on. Yeah, he's not making any money this month. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough too. Um, you guys go to away finals. You mentioned Johannesburg. We've seen Auckland. Actually, the first three titles the Crusaders ever won are all away from home. What do you guys do in the lead up to an away final? Is it any different from your normal routine before a home final? Like what is the approach and, and why are you guys so good at nailing that particular thing? An away final is a hell of a thing to win. Off the back of um, some very impressive defense at home against the Blues and, and dismantling their attack, again, you've kept the Chiefs in this final to 26% gain line. Was there a shift in the way you, your guys' mindset was around that line speed for two weeks in a row? And I, I suppose you can include the, the quarterfinal in that as well. It just seemed like you guys lifted the ante around that line speed and, and pressuring those players. I think naturally it just comes with that intensity in the final where you know you're just going to dig that much deeper. Uh, but I think a lot of credit goes to our defensive coach, Tommy Ellison, where mm. he took our defence from week one against the Chiefs where we didn't now nail it at all to building every week and just instilling a lot of confidence where the whole team was on the same page. And I think we just worked together really well as a unit. It seems like a pretty simple philosophy. Don't overcomplicate it, but it's also really binding and trusting what your coach is saying. And I think Tom just took the time to get around every individual rather than just presenting um, in a team meeting, this is what we're going to do really understand the why behind it all. We understand the why. You trust the, the guys outside you that they're on the same page. Yeah, you're right. It is simple once you can get there. So often, um, I suppose, they talk about teams that can adjust to a ref. And, you know, you always probably look to push the boundaries early and see where that line is. With how quick he was to penalise in and around the breakdown, did it, did it make you guys adjust your approach around there? The reason why he's quick to penalise around the breakdown was probably two teams that are really aggressive at the breakdown. So it wasn't necessarily one team that was getting up a hand. It was, it was two teams that were really going at it and it creates pitches, obviously, that there needs to be a call, you know? It's just not necessarily going, not one team necessarily dominating there and, and getting the ball. So obviously the ref needs to jump in. I haven't actually watched the game and I need to, you know, probably really watch it to be able to have an opinion on that. Again, first, you know, as you're outside back, you're kind of looking up to see where the space is rather than what's actually going on in the breakdown. Jack, just, just on there with the breakdown, because I think um, if you look at the Northern Hemisphere right now with the France, uh, France Island, even the South Africans as well, that breakdown area has been massively talked about on our podcast for the last 12 months. Have you found that there's been growth in that area um, in the New Zealand sides? It's been more of a focal point this, this year and really getting that attention to detail when it comes to the breakdown, knowing what's going to be ahead, I guess, at the World Cup. Um, yeah, I think we've made uh, jumps in the right direction, but I feel like it's still something that we need to get better at. Probably when you compare to some European teams, like we've got great, you know, counter attack, we've got skillful forwards, but you know, if you don't win that battle, the breakdown, it's a, 
it's a tough um, game, as you know, Bryn, especially being at the back of it, trying to get some clean ball. Uh, so, yeah, we made gains, but we obviously need to keep on prioritising it. I'm interested in Jack's take on Dallas McLeod and obviously making the, the All Black squad. What is it that you like about him that you see during the week that we probably don't see uh, on game day? Dallas um, has been a guy that's been in the environment for a while now and every year he just got him better. And particularly this year, he came in and at preseason, the first few rounds, what he got really good at is just seeing the space and making the right decisions. And Foz is going to love that. He's obviously very physical as well, which is probably what a lot of people have seen. Um, being defenders, making good tackles, but his scanning, um, getting to the right position uh, as a midfielder, and obviously then that ability to, we needed a right wing. Um, he took his opportunity there, played really well, and to have a good player like him on the field as well, as, um, you know, Braden, Lester, and Will at the back, just creates a real dynamic backline. So, um, a lot of good things to say about Dallas. He's also an awesome person that's just going to keep on learning. You said scanning there. What do you mean by scanning in a, in a midfield context? Yeah, so scanning, you're just looking up and you're seeing the space, right? So usually you're, you're one player out from the first five. There might be a few forwards in front of you. You're either telling the forwards to to carry or you or you want the ball in your hand. So it's just scanning and, and seeing what the picture is and then making the right decision. You're in the All Blacks 15. Um, you're after glow. How long does your after go last and when do you join that squad? So flying into Auckland on Saturday and then uh, I've been splitting the flights, but yeah, I'll fly over to Japan on, on Sunday. Looking forward to it. You've had a few injuries um, in the past couple of years around that. Um, have you found that if you do get a bit more game time and you feel like you've been able to repeat those performances of consistency and being out on the field, that'll um, you know help you end up for that World Cup world that I obviously know that um, you want to be a part of? Look, yeah, Brent, I'm just you know, focusing on you know, staying healthy and playing the best rugby that I can. Obviously, the injuries have been unfortunate. Uh, and I've had to adapt and grow and and, and work hard at getting back. But uh, yeah, it's just I'll be I'll just focus on playing the best rugby that I can. And if that's good enough to make the World Cup, then you know that's awesome. But I know Foz has picked an amazing team with some good midfielders that are definitely up to winning the World Cup. If I'm not one of them. One of yeah. I'm really sorry that I started that uh, that injury for you as well in 2021. My my knee, so <laughs> I do apologise for that. Sorry. Yeah. You, sorry, you're, you're out of position. You're out of position for our um, for what we call defensively there. But <laughs> I've heard a conspiracy theory that that was actually Bryn trying to make it so he once and for all was faster than you, Jack. <laughs> yeah, it was just we'd been wanting to have a sprint race for so long and it was just funny it was only after that injury where he was ready to go he always complained about a back injury before <laughs> that he needed to rest could you give us some, from your point of view what's different in your prep from 12 to 13 not too much in my mind but yeah you're looking as a 12 to be a bit more of a ball player um but closer and putting your outsides away as a center you're kind of making that final decision of if you're going to carry in and a hard line or if you're going to hold your feet and try and put your winger away. So it's just, you're just slightly out and just looking at um, different pitches as far as, is it one pass space um, as a centre or as a 12, you're thinking, is the guy outside me in a better position to then put my wings away? Then defensively, would you would, would it be right in saying like a little bit more vulnerable at 13? A little bit more vulnerable as far as you're defending a bit more space and obviously defending backs as a 12, you you can pick up the the heat from the forwards coming around the corner um, and you just got to man up and make that tackle sometimes. And do you enjoy them as much as each other? Yeah, for sure. Different elements. Um, but I think as 12, probably end up making a few more tackles, which is what I enjoy. Could you give us an update on, on what your future looks like, um, whether it is heading overseas or whether it's staying in New Zealand? Yeah, just working through that at the moment. Um, yeah, there has been an uh, offer come from uh, Castro and, uh, yeah, looking into that would be an awesome opportunity to go to France. Um, my wife and I would, would love uh, 
you know, the chance to, you know, do something new because we've had such a, a rich experience at Crusaders. It'd be, be good to uh, freshen up and do something different, but Crusaders have been uh, awesome and it'd be a hard team to leave. So we're just working through that at the moment, but either way, just keen to keep on playing footy. Awesome. You would have seen Brent Hall's Instagram over the last six weeks and thought, geez, that's the life, eh? That is the life, yeah. That, um, <laughs> yeah, been on a big old holiday, that Bryn. Uh, but, uh, hey, he's, he's earned it. He's got a good contract over there. Uh, obviously, yeah, Japan is, uh, a cool place to go because of that time off. And, uh, yeah, but yeah, looking forward to if I do go to Europe. Yeah, that would be something to look forward to. Good to see that you can finally buy some coffees for us for that contract you're going to get, mate, if that's the case. There's no truth to that at all, Bryn. You know that. That's a complete lie. <laughs> Was Bryn a good flatmate, mate? Was he buying the coffees and doing all those bits and pieces, keeping the kitchen tidy? Surprisingly tidy. Would I say hygienic? Well, maybe not, but tidy? Yeah, good. <laughs> I'm imagining a battle for time in the bathroom possibly too because he's always immaculately presented yeah yeah there, there's a big wee line for the bathroom in the morning but um yeah he's uh he's a good fat mate I miss you Brent I miss you too mate good on you Jack good on you Jack wasn't this nice oh that was so sweet oh thank you very much for joining us Jack uh, we appreciate your time and uh, good luck with the All Blacks 15 over the coming weeks and congratulations awesome thanks thanks for having me appreciate it after a couple of days of celebrations he looked pretty good I thought in the end Jibber he did he was he's very uh, relaxed it looked like he was prepping for another round though it's taking a you know, quiet afternoon yeah before Bryn goes and shouts him a few drinks tonight yeah you shoehorned yourself into the celebrations last night mate what happened there no, I just um, got a message from the big from Big Ray, and um, yeah, it's just more so catching up with the boys because they're obviously going into camp on the Tuesday, so wouldn't have a chance to see them. So, yeah, picked my time really, really nicely. I don't think I would have been going there if the result went the other way. So, uh, fortunately, the, the boys got the, uh, the job done, and it was a good night out at White Locks. That's awesome that they um, they keep all the old boys tied in, and you know can can bring everyone who contributed in. Yeah, oh, it's great. You know, a lot of the other clubs do that kind of stuff as well. I think um, the boys even had their court session in. I think um, who was there? Um, Mule was there. Chris King and um, Corey Flynn ran the court session. So, you know, it's great to get those old boys back that are able to instill a bit of, um, I guess, bit of, bit of hair on the old on the old chin for some of the young fellas. So, that was a great night and an awesome evening, and, and some great words said from a lot of um, Crusader men as well, which was um, pretty special to be a part of and hear them as well. Nice, nice. Where did you think it was won and lost, Bryn? When you look back at the game, obviously there was the discipline and there were the numbers advantages. <clears throat> but where did you feel that the game was won and lost outside of that? Oh, well, look, I think when push came to shove, we could talk around the penalties and the penalty count. Um, you know, well, six penalties within the first five minutes, you know, three yellow cards. Um, and the Chiefs obviously still had the chance to, after all that mayhem, to still win the game. I just think in the, in the moments that the Crusaders had, off the sin bins, especially Jacobson um, and even Sam Kane as well. Cody Taylor's more try, which I thought, you know, the set-piece parity was going to be massive in that game, and I think it came to fruition in that late part of the game. I think, you know, 21 line-outs, but when they needed to go to their, uh, to the tried-and-true of that line-out more, they got the job done and were able to score tries because I think, you know, in the first half, considering how much position they had and, I guess, the amount of chances that they had through the ill-discipline of the Chiefs, um, the scoreboard at the time probably didn't reflect the dominance I thought the Crusaders had in that first half. And then the second half, I thought the Chiefs played a lot better. Um, that first 20 minutes um, had a lot of momentum. You saw Narawa, Sean Stevenson really um, having some attacking ability and really causes, causing a lot of questions. And then, you know, unfortunately, um, you know, Sam Kane's sin bin. And I think the turning point, I think, in the big point of that um, game was in the 55th minute, the overthrow. Um, that doesn't get called the whole season. You know, if that, if that isn't scored, and doesn't go upstairs, um, then they end up scoring that try two tries later. Um, score, sorry, from that, if they don't score and there's two phases, um, that doesn't get brought up and it's 27-15 with 20 minutes to go. And I think, that, I think the Chiefs won that game if they have that try scored. So, you know, from that, the Crusaders just found a way. They, they just, just hung in there and just, I guess, more so lived off the crumbs, I thought. Um, they didn't play particularly well. And the moments that they had to score, like I said, with the set piece, um, they won the game. So... Yeah, I thought the Chiefs, through their ill-discipline, um, you know, probably should have won that game, but Crusaders, Crusaders found a way and won it ugly. 
due to the ill-discipline and the yellow cards, it gave the Crusaders that ability to set their, their dominance up front where we know they're really good. And, uh, you know, they put the Chiefs under a lot of pressure at line-out time and, and were excellent themselves um, uh, at line-out time. But I still think the defence that the Crusaders have shown the last three weeks in particular, and, you know, touched on it with Jack, they kept the Chiefs, who have been a side that are used to going 60% gain line efficiency with ball in hand to 26%. Uh, and, and to the Chiefs' credit, they kept the Crusaders to 36%. So both sides, a little bit of a, uh, a dewy night, wet night. Um, so, you know, it makes it a little bit easier to defend and get up and, and put skills under pressure. But to keep a side as big um, as the Chiefs' pack is in terms of that carry, um, contact area to 26% is just a massive reason why they won that game. And that came down to line speed? I think so, line speed, but also I suppose yeah. I was trying to draw it out of Jack there if, if they made adjustments around their breakdown mm. play because they had good numbers on the feet. They didn't waste too many in and around that, that breakdown area and if they did it was, you know, they were effective in it, um, either slowing the ball or, or, or getting a turnover. So. Um, that, that sort of numbers on feed and, and getting set early and allowed to put their skill set under pressure. And he said the big target for them was Damien mm. uh, and, and, and testing his skill set out. But um, the, the boys up front ha have to do that sort of job to make sure they can get to him. Mm. It was interesting with Damien. I suppose there was a lot of conversation, Bryn, heading into that, you know, that this was Moonga versus McKenzie. It's the two form 10s. It's the two guys who are carrying their team really well in recent weeks. I thought they did, it was pretty even. Look, Richie had his moments where he was able to um, do some really good things. But I thought Damien played really well considering the three yellow cards and as a 10, you've got to be able to adapt your game um, to be able to adapt to where players are not going to be on the field. And so um, he was at a little bit of a Achilles here there with not. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I've been to have 15 players for almost 30 minutes of that game, but he did some really good things defensively. There was a couple of times he did some hard ball gets, which I thought were pretty brave and courageous, which is pretty similar to Richie, but... Um, yeah, I thought both of them were outstanding on the weekend. I think, you know, you'd have to start thinking, is Damien the second best 10? Is he going to be a genuine option coming off the bench if, um, you know, if Bodie isn't selected as a 15? Who's going to win the race for that next number 10 jersey? It's going to be interesting moving forward. Yeah, look, I, I think, um, you know, out of it, it shows that potentially there's no reason why he can't go to 15 and mm -hmm. still be starting for the All Blacks. Um, but, I mean, Will Jordan, the combination that Richie's got there as well. I mean, there's there's a lot of... Um, options um, that they'll want to settle on one and, and run with it, I'd suggest. But I, I agree with Bryn. I thought both of them were great. Both had um, strong games. And, you know, we can sit here and dissect it as much as we want and say, you know, these are sort of areas where, um, you know, the game was won or lost. But I do think the discipline and the yellow cards were, were, were the deciding factor. Um, and the Chiefs held on and they <coughs> stayed in the fight, don't get me wrong. But um, when, when those guys got off the field, um, the, the Crusaders made hay while the sun was shining. Now one of the unfortunate things that happened over the weekend was there was booing 
One of Ben O'Keefe, two of the Crusaders, they were receiving their medals at the stadium, which is, you know, not a very good way to behave. We've seen since seen Ben come out on Instagram and talk a little bit about it. He says, unfortunately, as a union referee at the highest level, I've had to accept and grow accustomed to the post-match vitriol that fans normalise post-game. It's a sad reality that it doesn't affect me anymore, but that doesn't mean it's okay. He goes on, I won't read you the entire thing, but he finishes by saying, there were some excellent decisions, there were some poor ones. That I accept I've made and need to move on. Continual growth is something that excites me to be better for the game. We need rugby to be the best game in the world, on and off the field. Let's do it together. He's basically asking you to embrace referees and understand they're a key part of the game. They're out there doing their best and it's not okay. He reaches out within the message to other referees saying, if you want some help, you can send me a message and I can help you the best I can. But everyone, please just support these guys. So I think that's a fair statement from Ben. Good on you, Ben, for, for getting in behind and uh, other referees as well during that time. Um, Brent, I suppose what I want to ask is, were the Chiefs fans on the money you know, was Ben as bad as they've made him out to be? I wanted to go back and watch the game again um, because obviously high of emotion and, um, you know, watching both teams play and not really being able to dissect this. So I watched it, I watched it again this today and like, to be honest, like most of his calls were, were pretty spot on. I know, obviously, you know, the forward pass, that's an AR thing, I guess, as well. The forward pass, which Jack threw to, I think it was to Tom Christie, was really forward and that's probably the one that the, collectively, the three of them got wrong. But Looking at the most of the penalties, they were pretty spot on, and I think it was more so. I think the inner the cape, sorry, the Chiefs not being able to adapt to the referee, and so you know six penalties within the first um, first twelve minutes, and then a, and three yellow cards. You know you've got to think that the Chiefs have missed a job. They're not being able to adapt to the ref because you know Keith was really consistent, gave really good communication around. Even Sam Kane's one, for example, as well. Um, you know, Sam Kane was bringing some really good points and talking to with Ben O'Keefe that, you know, if a bird can shit on it, the ball's out. But he was pretty clear when he told him, he said, no, the ball wasn't actually out because of X, Y, and Z. He went in a little bit more deeper around there. But, you know, so I thought Ben was actually really good. And I know a lot of the Chiefs people will be thinking around, I'm being biased, but looking back and around what the penalties were, they were actually pretty much spot on, apart from the one forward pass. But you might think a little bit different, but I thought he actually refereed, refereed it pretty well with his penalties. Oh, yeah, complete opposite of that, Bryn, mate. That's terrible from you. Nah, joking. <laughs> um, I, I just, the, the point I like to make is, like, even when sometimes players get singled out, um, you know, for being standouts or not so much, like, it's a team, and, like, mm -hmm. that, that's a refereeing team. Um, and there's four um, there, obviously two ARs and, and the match official. And, you know, like, there's, you, you've got to credit, like, that's a big occasion. So often we can see the whistle go away. Mm. Um, to make those calls on what he felt um, he saw was was bold and courageous, and just like I suppose calling back um, the try when you know Damien was said to be within the ten or leaving early for the overthrow, um, those are big calls in a, in a big match that sometimes you see let go. So I, I thought it was a courageous effort. Um, I can't say I agreed with all of them, mm. but I do think um, what Bryn said is the key point and I've labelled it you know over a number of years now it is a skill adjusting to a ref so often in games you know the good players will push the boundaries early and they'll see where they are and then they'll make the adjustments and you know get in favour of the ref or you know sort of um, know where that boundary is and um, the Chiefs just pushed too too hard and that's why I was really interested to see if Jack, but he's probably right, he's, he's not in the forwards, but if they did change their mindset and around it as they were seeing those sort of penalties mount early. Mm. Now, one of the shining lights once again on the weekend was Sean Stevenson for the Chiefs. Obviously, there was a big conversation last week about him missing out on the squad, um, the supposed defensive frailties that might have been one of the reasons for it. Um, once again, he was superb, Jip. Oh man, he was massive. Like, I just, I was proud of him in terms of the statement, you know, like he hasn't dropped his lip or anything. He's fronted up and, and if anything you know made an even bigger statement and and you know obviously Mark Talia is out for a while so he potentially does have the opportunity as we said last week if he can impress at training 
Um, I, I see no reason why he doesn't get a crack um, at playing some footy and, and getting his All Blacks debut over the next month. Mm. Now we've had a question through from one of our audience, uh, Big Dipper is his name on YouTube, um, and he was wanting to talk a little bit about the comments I suppose on Stevenson. Do you feel like some wingers and fullbacks cop some unfair flack for being bad in defence when they have to defend the attacking team's overlap, two-on-ones, cross-field kicks, etc.? They get into these situations because usually someone further up the defensive line has missed. Yes. Um. Well, you go, Bryn. Go, Joe. Ah, oh, well, I just think um, it's not really about like as I've always said, stats are half the story. But there are certain players that when they make a decision, they commit to it. And, and I suppose you can live with that because sometimes you know, they get it right, but they get it wrong. But also there's other ones that have the ability to buy time and have, have I suppose, to get that support to stop. So I do think there is maybe, I don't think they get unfairly treated because everyone can understand when it's a two-on-one and mm. they've got to make a decision. But it's those players that can buy time. You know, nines have to do a lot of defensive cover as well, so Bryn will be able to talk to it. But there is your really good last line of defence, especially, you know, mm. that sort of full-back wingers. You know, wingers in particular, because it won't get to the last line if they buy time initially. So I agree, like, there will be mistakes from other people early on. Um, but it is a skill set that will, especially with rush D these days, mm. um, you know, the more that there's rush D, it does make those players susceptible if they can get it to that space. Yeah, I think a guy like, um, I look at Ben Smith, for example, like a very good tackler just in general, and I think that helps when you're a natural tackler and you can tackle well, but I think when I'm looking back, when he was playing, his angles that he was able to use, he almost wanted them to go where he wanted them to go, if that makes sense. So you'd be able to use a sideline as an example, or maybe he knows that someone's coming in for a sidestep so he can be able to afford to have a, get a little bit square or an example like that. And I find that the real good defending fullbacks have a really good knack to understand, I want to take you here, and this is the best way that I can then make a tackle. And I think Ben Smith is an example, very, very good tackler in his own right, whether he was um, beaten with footwork late or just in general, I think he was um, really good. But just to touch on Sean Stevenson, obviously talked around the defensive, um, I guess, stuff that needs to work on. I thought his defensive efforts on the weekend were really good. And not just his tackling in general, I thought him counter-rucking from kicks in general and being able to get to the body height to then blitz through and go through, I thought was really, really good. And so I think you talk around statements, I definitely think in that area um, he looked really good. And so I think, to be honest, with that game on the weekend, I think you'll end up seeing him play for the All Blacks. I really do. I think he's going to get given an opportunity with Mark Talia. And if he does what he needs to do within that two weeks of the All Blacks, I genuinely think we'll see him playing for the All Blacks through that performance on the weekend. It would be good to see, wouldn't it? I think the way I'd look at his defence is more like how much he's improved, like mm. compared to two or three years ago. Like, and yes, there's always more improvement, but the message should be like, man, you've done some great stuff, and you've you, you've got yourself into the sort of international test frame defensively. Mm. But these are the sort of things we work on, rather than just labelling him a poor defender, because. I think it's been the biggest growth in this game. You yeah. know, we know he's got that attacking skill, but he, you know, if you look at some of the games for Harbour last year in terms of last line of defence, he was very courageous. Mm -hmm. Now, we did get some more feedback from somebody else last week. Uh, we obviously talked about Ian Foster expressing his disappointment in players not texting or messaging him back um, during the Sky broadcast of the team announcement. You know, I think we said that we thought it might be a bit harsh to mention that publicly. Um, then your phone rang. <laughs> yeah, I got a bit of a fright. I was like, it was about 9.15. I was like, geez, who's texting this uh, this late? But um, yeah, um, Fozzy wanted me to, to clarify. He was meaning more from his point of view. He was disappointed he didn't get the opportunity to talk, not that he was disappointed the players hadn't got back to him. Yeah. So I said I'd rectify it this week and say that you know we, we misinterpreted that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and you know he, he's a big fan of the show. Enjoyed the chat, so <laughs> it's good to have the All Black coach as a, as a yeah. fan. Um, comment in the YouTube section anytime you like, Fozzie. If, if you're watching online, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll happily engage. We, we, we do say engage with us, and yeah. he went direct to, to me. Yeah, yeah, that was good. That was good. That was good. Um, and you can engage with us, of course, on Aotearoa Rugby Pod at Sky.co.nz. Flick us an email. We're beginning a couple of weeks. Sometimes it's questions. Sometimes it's just someone offloading. 
everything. And I'll just get a three-page email of someone offloading. I appreciate that too. It's nice to engage with you all. Of course, comment in the YouTube comment section as well. And um, we'll do our best to respond to any questions that you might have. One of the questions we've got through this week is from Stu Gibson via email. Well, it wasn't so much a question as, as a statement um, that I picked up out of, out of his email. Um, he said that he'd be playing Rico Ioane on the wing because he struggles to set up his wingers in a tight test match, that might be the only chance. I've heard lots of people say this. So I'm really keen to get both of your opinions on whether this is a valid opinion, because it's a widespread opinion. It's just a generic opinion again, though, mm. similar to Sean's defence. Like, this has been Rico's biggest growth. Like, look at that game against the Waratahs and his ability to set up his outsides where the space was. Uh, like. The, the numbers just don't add up anymore. Yes, it was originally when he moved from wing to centre, it was an issue, him freeing up his outsides. But this season, no, I, it, the last two or three seasons, mm. um, you know, he's really, really improved his ability and his selfless nature in that centre role to, to free up his outsides. And he just hasn't played wing. So, I, you know, like the way Leicester's playing, uh, you know, he deserves a chance of that 11 jersey. Mm. Britain? Yeah, I agree. I think very similar to what um, what Drip was saying around having that perception that Rico doesn't pass the ball. I've seen a lot, a lot of times in the last twelve to twenty-four months that at full speed he's put guys away to be able to score tries in the corner. You know, so I think you know because Rico is so good and has, has such great X factor. At times, you want him almost to back himself to be able to have a one-on-one or be able to try to not um, do that last pass because sometimes he can just beat a player when he needs to. But I think he's made the massive improvements around putting that last play away. You know, like a Jack Goodhue, for example, that's his that's his strength. He's got the ability to be able to do that. But um, I think, you know, I think Rico's made some massive improvements there. And I think, again, it's like Sean Stevenson. I think he's made... He's, he's good in that space now. It's not a question he, does, he doesn't do that anymore, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And it's not just what he does on the attacking side of the ball. Like, his speed, because he is as fast, if not faster than most wingers, his speed defensively, um, you know, is a, is a weapon for the All Blacks now and, and, and the way that he can sort of shut down time and space and force players into decisions that they may otherwise have had more time. Now, before we go, we've been promising it throughout the Super Rugby season that the winner of our tipping comp we get a shot on the show, and we have the winner with us now. His name is Liam Ireland. He's a 23-year-old student out of Dunedin, and he managed to call 72 out of the 86 games, which is a phenomenal result. It really is pretty good, Jipper. Very good, very good. So, Liam, welcome onto the show. Congratulations G'day. on coming on the show. Uh, congratulations <laughs> on joining us. That sounds a bit weird, doesn't it? <laughs> congratulations on treat. winning the tournament. What yeah. a treat. <laughs> <laughs> um, mate, tell us a little bit about your tipping strategy. How do you end up tipping 72 out of 86 games? Well, yeah, I was asking myself that, you know, what do I do? Um, well, for one thing, I heard a couple of weeks ago Jipper saying that he tipped with his heart and that's why he hasn't been doing so well. But big Chiefs Mana fan here. So that was almost every week a spare point. Um but yeah, I don't know. I watched a lot of rugby this season, probably too much. Um, yeah, and just seeing how different teams are playing, you kind of get a feel about who's performing well and what situation. And then, yeah, there's a few games that I guess I picked that not many other people did and ended up near the top. What do you, what do you reckon the game, like the biggest upset that you did pick? Mm-hmm. Um, I picked I picked the drawer tipping the Crusaders in Fiji yeah. early in the season. I was yeah quite impressed with that. I just I remember last year um, the Chiefs and the Highlanders who ended up who played over there saying that was the toughest Super Games they've ever played, and then yeah just seeing the um, the squad that the Crusaders put out, which was a little bit, not not their full strength squad. I thought, oh, I think they're underestimating these guys. And sure enough. <laughs> Boom. So what do you, do you do your picks on Thursday night or how long do you wait before you get those things in? I usually pick first thing in the week um, so I don't forget, but I do wait until the teams come out, have a think. And I usually... On the day of the matches, I'll, I'll go in, I'll, I'll see what the vibe is, see how I'm feeling, maybe usually leave it pretty stable, but sometimes flick a few here and there. Or ask my partner as well. She's she's quite big on rugby. Um, 
she saved me a couple times. <laughs> which one? Which one? Which one did she save you with? Oh, there was one guy. So she's a she's a big Highlander supporter. She's a big Highlander supporter, and I I thought they weren't going to do too well throughout the year. So I started tap. I tapped the drawer to beat them, and. Um, Dunedin and I lost lost out on that so it was getting some of the more tighter games and I was like oh I think I might go with the Rebels and then she's like no 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 gotta gotta believe in the boys mm-hmm. so sure enough they, they managed to get it it was tight that Rebels Highlanders game I was on the edge of my seat but yeah but and that good. could have been the difference in the end because you won by one point so yes. you know Big ups too. We maybe should have had her on the show. Yeah, no, well, <laughs> it's uh, it's a credit that he, you know, can. This is what he has at his disposal to to get it right. Uh, how was your margin? Did you pick pick many of the margins on those first games each weekend? Not early in the season. I was quite wide off, but as as the season went on, things started to tighten up a bit. I think, and I did. I wasn't as good on the margins, but there was one or two weeks where I got within one or two points. And yeah, when they started to get to those tight games at the end of the season, it was getting it easier to pick. Now, this is a bit of a reach, um, but you uh, you study native frogs and the frogs are going to be a huge player at the World <laughs> Cup this year. So I'm um, very interested <laughs> to hear your take on them and whether you think with your tipping that you're going to pick them to go all the way. Oh, uh, they'll go to the final, I reckon. We'll see. It will be France in the final. Um, obviously biased towards the ABs. I think the ABs will go all the way. Um, but my real, if I'm not, if I'm trying to, if I put the All Blacks to the side, Wallabies. Wallabies are going to be the team to beat. They, they've got an easy run through. Um, they've got a good draw. Eddie Jones and just what, especially watching them in Super. Some of the cattle they've got and more to come from overseas there. Yeah, I'm picking, if I'm taking the All Blacks out of it, I'm picking a Wallabies French final with the Wallabies winning. Just on there, what what gives you what gives you confidence? What are you seeing? Obviously, there's the Eddie Jones um, factor, but what have you seen in Super Rugby that makes you think that they can get the job done? And also the Wallabies when they play as well. Well, just some of the players that they've got coming up, like Carter Gordon, who's just come out of nowhere. Um, and all the older players, Reese Hodge, that that's still kicking around. Um, Michael Hooper probably hasn't been in his best form, but he just he just leads by example. And I think watching those Aussie teams, even even if they didn't end up very high on the table, they're still competing with the Chiefs and the Crusaders for good portions of those games. And I think if you if you get someone like Eddie Jones, who just gets all the pieces and puts them all together, they, yeah, they've got a world-beater squad there. And he's not the only one saying it. Like, I've well, seen... their side of the draw. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. Well, where teams are placed, because obviously it's decided at the previous one, but where teams are placed currently in terms of form, mm. there is one side that's going to be really hard. Obviously, quarterfinals are probably looking at, you know, sort of South Africa, Ireland, All Blacks, France, and obviously then the winners of that will, will be in the semi and then on the other side. Obviously, yep. I think it's Scotland, Fiji, England, Australia, um, and a number of others. So um, peaking at the right time, that side, is, it gives you a massive opportunity. Before we let you go, Liam, I uh, just want to give you a plug for your Instagram account, Lim's Jerseys, which was also your moniker within the, the tipping comp. Behind you, you've got that beautiful County's Manukau uh, jersey right there. You're obviously wearing a, a nice throwback Chiefs jersey. Tell us a little bit about what this is all about. So, yeah, I collect rugby jerseys. Um, I started fairly early on. I had a couple of Chiefs jerseys that I'd, um, you know, collect. Um, and then when I went to uni and I was surrounded by Highlanders fans, I thought, oh, I really need to step up my game a bit. Um, and then it just didn't stop. I have about 70-odd jerseys now, 20 Chiefs jerseys. I'm starting to get really get into my retro jerseys. Um, and it's good fun. I like to post them on Instagram. There's a great little community of different um, rugby fans and rugby jersey collectors on Instagram. Everyone swaps what they've got, sees what they've found in an op shop or something. It's really cool. It's really cool. Where do you find them? Um, trade me 
usually for the more retro ones, but I like to just go around op shops and see what they've got. Sometimes you find some really, really cool finds for real cheap because, yeah, but it's great. It's great. Fun little hobby. Got a favourite? Oh, I do. I do really like this classic, this classic Chiefs 1998 one. It's just a bit different, you know? Do you, do you have a, a Blues 96, 97? Oh, no, no. I have, a, I have three Blues jerseys, not one from then, but it's definitely on the list to get. It's definitely <laughs> on the hard list. to get. It's a nice jersey. Patrick Tupelodo and myself have been trying to hunt one down for a few years. Right. The old classic. I imagine it would be hundreds and hundreds of dollars if you're going to be able to track down a good version of that. Oh, yeah. I, I used to have one. I don't know where it is. <laughs> one of the moves that yeah. got lost. So I'm also keen to know, because I got fiercely ridiculed for this, that I feel that the best jersey doing the rounds right now in Super Rugby is the Force Away jersey, the yellow and black hoops. I, I love that jersey. What is your favourite jersey right now? Right now? Oh, I do. I do like that Force Away jersey. Yes. See, I do see like, what I'm saying? I like that Rebels Away jersey. Bit of pinks, just a bit of colour as well. Mm. It's good. Um... Oh, I do. I don't, my favourite is when the Brumbies do their Indigenous jerseys. I just like, I like their colour scheme and how they do it. I think when they play in those, they look really smart, really smart. What's your worst one that you've seen that you don't like, that you think's horrific? Oh. Oh, that's a good, that's a good question. That's um, a good question to Liam, mate. <laughs> That's why he's so surprised. He thinks it's the first one you've had all year. <laughs> I think it was, it was a couple of years ago when the, um, the the Crusaders, they had a blue away jersey. And I can't, I can struggle to get behind the Crusaders at the best of times. But when they're playing in blue, that's, no, that's not on. That's not on. Uh, <laughs> uh, is, is that the, uh, the, when they had all the blue, grey ones, they all had the Adidas. Um, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. They were all made out of uh, refined bottles, I think, that were caught out yeah, in the ocean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 yeah, I'm with you, Liam. I'm with you on that, actually. I'm with you. It was horrific to wear. I think yeah, any yeah. jersey <laughs> that has blue in it's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> actually, one jersey that I do want to know about, because I, this is another one that I've, I've, I've got a hot take on that everyone ridicules me for. I really like the grey jersey that the All Blacks lost in the 2007 World Cup, and I thought that was an outstanding away jersey. It is, it's been soiled by the result. But are you on board with that? I'm, mm, mm, it's a bit, I'm not sure. I'm not sure, not, not about that one specifically. I'm not opposed to the grey. I think the grey can look quite nice, but that jersey, oh, yeah. You can't, you can't help but just feel heartache when you see it. <laughs> Fair enough too. Fair enough. Hey, well, Liam, thank you very much for joining us, mate. Um, and well done on 72 points from 86 games and winning the tipping comp over the, uh, the 15 weeks of the regular season. Awesome. Thank you for having me. Well, thank you very much for listening, for Thanks, watching. Man. Sweet. Every oh. week. Never miss it. Good man. <laughs> nice. Okay, well, thank you very much to Liam. And as ever, James Parsons to my left. We've got a, a no weekend of footy for you this weekend. Oh, we'll find some reruns. Jeez, oh, you get withdrawals. <laughs> I will. Yeah, it's going to be a difficult weekend for Jipper. <laughs> Thanks again, Bryn. No problems, boys. Awesome to be here. Nice. Good to have you home, mate. And uh, thank you very much for watching the Aotearoa Rugby Pod once again. You can catch us, of course, on Sky. You can catch us on Audio Pod, catch us on Rugby Pass on YouTube. Or you can just send us an email, make some comments. We'd like to interact with you. Thank you once again for tuning into the Aotearoa Rugby Pod. Matewa. Thank you.